Welcome to the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. This podcast will be a sharing of part of my morning routine as I prepare for the day with the Word of God. We will be partaking of Puritan prayers from the Valley of Vision, each day's morning devotional from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, and we'll be reading from the Legacy Standard Bible, which is the newest and, I believe, the most accurate translation of the Word of God. We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning and welcome to the morning segment of the Monday, October 9th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I am Wayne Floyd, your host. The Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian podcast community. You can find us over at christianpodcastcommunity.org. A lot of great listening over there, over 60 well-curated podcasts, wide, wide variety of topics, all approached from a biblical worldview. My brothers and sisters in Christ over there are putting together great, great content, definitely worth your while again to be over there to get over there i will guarantee you're going to find at least one thing to listen to and there's a very good chance you're going to find more to listen to over there than you actually have time to listen to it in so again i would definitely encourage you to go over there and to go looking for things to listen to definitely worth your while to be in the word of god there um, I also want to continue to point you at the next to last link in our show notes. It is for the Vail Valley Baptist Church Gives and Go campaign. We are striving to rapidly pay off our mortgage so that we can commence establishment of a Christian classic education-based school to provide a trustworthy alternative here within our community. So go ahead and click on the link. Pastor Jay has provided a very thorough description of what we're trying to do. So give it a read. And then we would ask three things of you. We'd ask you to pray for us. We'd ask you to prayerfully consider giving to us. And we'd ask you to pass the link along so others can do the same. All right. Well, we're back into our week. We're back into Monday. So we're going to be doing our Bible reading this morning. And then we'll be continuing on in our study of John chapter 13. Uh, God willing, we'll finish that up tomorrow evening. And then we'll move on into John chapter 14. We'll, we'll God willing, again, we'll deal um, between Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we'll deal with the first six verses of John chapter 14. So let's go ahead and open up in prayer. We're going to open up with our typical uh, Monday morning prayer. Uh, it's the second day morning prayer, God over all. Let's pray. O God, all sufficient, thou hast made and upholdest all things by the word of thy power. Darkness is thy pavilion. Thou walkest on the wings of the wind. All nations are nothing before thee. One generation succeeds another, and we hasten back to the dust. The heavens we behold will vanish away, like the clouds that cover them. The earth we tread on will dissolve as a morning dream. But thou, unchangeable and incorruptible, art forever and ever, God over all, blessed eternally. Infinitely great and glorious art thou. We are thy offspring in thy care. Thy hand, hands have made and fashioned us. Thou hast watched over us with more than parental love, more than maternal tenderness. Thou hast holden our soul in life, and not suffered our feet to be moved. The divine power has given us all things necessary for life and godliness. Let us bless thee at all times, and forget not how thou hast forgiven our iniquities, healed our diseases, redeemed our lives from destruction, crowned us with loving kindness and tender mercies, satisfied our mouths with good things, renewed our youth like the eagles. May thy holy scriptures govern every part of our lives and regulate the discharge of all our duties, so that we may adorn thy doctrine in all things. Amen. All right. Our morning devotion this morning uh, for, uh, let's see, October 9th, sorry, for morning October 9th from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening. Uh, the text for it is from Jude 24. Able to keep you from falling. In some sense, the path to heaven is very safe. But in other respects, there is no road so dangerous. It is beset with difficulties, one false step, and how easy it is to take that to take that if grace be absent, and down we go. What a slippery path is that which some of us have to tread. How many times have we to exclaim with the psalmist, My feet were almost gone, my steps had well nigh slipped. If we are if we were strong, sure footed mountaineers, this would not matter so much. But in ourselves how weak we are. In the best roads we soon falter. Sorry, I jumped too far. We soon falter. In the smoothest paths we quickly stumble. These feeble knees of ours can scarcely support our tottering weight. A straw may throw us, and a pebble can wound us. We are mere children trembling, taking our first steps in the walk of faith. Our Heavenly Father holds us by the arms, or we should soon be down. 
Oh, if we are kept from falling, how must we bless the patient power which watches over us day by day? Think how prone we are to sin, how apt to choose danger, how strong our tendency to cast ourselves down, and these reflections will make us sing more sweetly than we have ever done. Glory be to him who is able to keep us from falling. We have many foes who try to push us down. The road is rough and we are weak. But in addition to this, enemies lurk in ambush, who rush out when we least expect them, and labor to trip us up or hurl us down the nearest precipice. Only an almighty arm can persevere can preserve us from from sorry, only an almighty arm can preserve us from these unseen foes who are seeking to destroy us. Such an arm is engaged for our defense. He is faithful that hath promised, and he is able to keep us from falling, so that with a deep sense of our utter weakness, we may cherish a firm belief in our perfect safety and say with joyful confidence, Against me earth and hell combine, but on my side is power divine. Jesus is all, and he is mine. All right, well. All right, so our Bible reading for the day. Sorry, I need to swap a tab here real quick. Okay, so our Bible reading for today is going to be Jeremiah 12, 13, and the first 10 verses of Jeremiah 14, uh, 1 Thessalonians 1 and 1 Thessalonians 2, all the way through to verse 8, Psalm 79, and then Proverbs 24, verses 30 through 34. So we'll finish up Proverbs 24 today, and tomorrow we should pick up in Proverbs 25. So, Jeremiah 12. Hear the word of the Lord. Righteous are you, O Yahweh, when I would plead my case with you. Indeed, I would speak matters of justice with you. Why is the way of the wicked succeeded? Why are all those who deal in treachery complacent? You have planted them. They have also taken root. They grow. They have even produced fruit. You are near to their lips, but far from their inmost being. But you, O Yahweh, you know me. You see me, and you test my heart's attitude towards you. Drag them off like sheep for the slaughter, and set them apart for a day of carnage. How long is the land to mourn, and the plants of every field to dry up, because of the evil of those who inhabit it? Animals and birds have been swept away, because men have said he will not see our latter ending. If you have run with footmen, and they have tired you out, then how can you compete with horses? If you fall down in a land of peace, how will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? For even your brothers in the household of your father, even they have dealt treacherously with you. Even they have called aloud after you. Do not believe them, although they may say nice things to you. I have forsaken my house. I have abandoned my inheritance. I have given the beloved of my soul into the hand of her enemies. My inheritance has become to me like a lion in the forest. She has given forth its voice against me. Therefore I have come to hate her. Is my inheritance like a speckled bird of prey to me? Are the birds of prey against her on every side? Go gather all the beasts of the field, bring them to devour. Many shepherds have ruined my vineyard. They have trampled down my portion. They have made my desired portion a desolate wilderness. It has been made a desolation. Desolate it mourns before me. The whole land has been made desolate, because no man sets it upon his heart. On all the bare heights in the wilderness destroyers have come. For a sword of Yahweh is devouring, from one end of the lane even to the other. There is no peace for any flesh. They have sown wheat and have reaped thorns. They have strained themselves to no profit. But be ashamed of your produce, because of the burning anger of Yahweh. Thus says Yahweh concerning all my evil neighbors who beat at the inheritance with which I have caused my people Israel to inherit. Behold, I am about to uproot them from their land, and will uproot the house of Judah from among them. And it will come about that after I have uprooted them, I will return and have compassion on them, and I will cause them to return, each one to his inheritance, and each one to his land. Then, if they will really learn the ways of my people, to swear by my name, as Yahweh lives, even as they taught my people to swear by Baal, they will be built up in the midst of my people. But if they will not listen, then I will uproot that nation, uproot and make it perish, declares Yahweh. Jeremiah 13 Thus Yahweh said to me, Go and buy yourself a linen belt and put it around your loins, but do not put it in water. So I bought the belt in accordance with the word of Yahweh and put it around my loins. Then the word of Yahweh came to me a second time, saying, Take the belt that you have bought, which is around your loins, and arise, go to the Euphrates, and hide it there in in a crevice of the rock. So I went and hid it by the Euphrates, as Yahweh had commanded me. Now it happened that after many days Yahweh said to me, Arise, go to the Euphrates, and take from there the belt which I commanded you to hide there. 
Then I went to the Euphrates and dug, and I took the belt from the place where I had hidden it. And behold, the belt was ruined. It was totally worthless. Then the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, Thus says Yahweh, Just so will I ruin the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. This evil people who refuse to listen to my words, who walk in the stubbornness of their hearts, and have walked after other gods to serve them and to worship them, let them be just like this belt, which is totally worthless. For as the belt clings to the loins of a man, so I made the whole household of Israel and the whole household of Judah cling to me, declares Yahweh, that they might be for me a people, for a name, for praise, and for beauty. But they did not listen. Therefore you are to say this word to them. Thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, Every jug is to be filled with wine, with wine, and they will say to you, Do we not well know that every jug is to be filled with wine? Then you shall say to them, Thus says Yahweh, Behold, I am about to fill all the inhabitants of this land, the kings that sit for David on his throne, the priests, the prophets, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, with drunkenness. I will shatter them against each other, both the fathers and the sons together, declares Yahweh. I will not spare, nor show pity, nor have compassion, so as not to ruin them. Listen and give ear, do not be haughty, for Yahweh has spoken. Give glory to Yahweh your God, before he brings darkness and before your feet stumble on the dusky mountains. And while you are hoping for light, he makes it into the shadow of death and turns it into dense gloom. But if you will not listen to it, my soul will cry in secret for such pride, and my eyes will bitterly weep and flow down with tears, because the flock of Yahweh has, ta has been taken captive. Say to the king and the queen mother, Take a lowly seat. For your beautiful crown has come down from your head. The cities of the Negev have been closed up, and there is no one to open them. All Judah has been taken away into exile, wholly taken away into exile. Lift up your eyes and see those coming from the north. Where is the flock that was given you, your beautiful sheep? What will you say when he appoints you, your, you I'm sorry, when he appoints over you, and you yourself had taught them former companions to be head over you? Will not pang seize you like a woman in childbirth? If you say in your heart, Why have these things happened to me? Because of the magnitude of your iniquity, your skirts have been uncovered, and your heels have suffered violence. Can the Ethiopian change his skin, or the leopard his spots? Then you also can do good, who are accustomed to doing evil. Therefore I will scatter them like chaff passing away into the wilderness wind. This is your lot, the portion measured to you, from me, declares Yahweh because you have forgotten me and trusted in lies. So I myself have also stripped your skirts all over your face, that your disgrace may be seen. As for your adulteries and your lustful nangs, the lewdness of your prostitution on the hills and the field, I have seen your detestable things. Woe to you, O Jerusalem! How long will you not cleanse yourself? Jeremiah 14, verses 1-10 through 10. That, that which came as the word of Yahweh to Jeremiah in regard to the drought, Judah mourns, and her gates languish. They sit on the ground in mourning, and the outcry of Jerusalem has gone up. Their mighty ones have sent their underlings for water. They have come to the trenches and found no water. They have returned with their vessels empty. They have been put to shame and dishonored. And they cover their heads, because the ground is dismayed. For there has been no rain on the land. The farmers have been put to shame. They have covered their heads. For even the doe in the field has given birth only to forsake her young, because there is no grass. The wild donkeys stand on the bare heights. They pant for air like jackals. Their eyes fail, for there is no vegetation. Although our iniquities answer against us, O Yahweh, act for your name's sake. Truly our acts of faithlessness have been many. We have sinned against you, O hope of Israel, its Savior in times of distress. Why are you like a sojourner in the land, or like a traveler who has pitched his tent to lodge for the night? Why are you like a man confused, like a mighty man who cannot save? Yet you are in our midst, O Yahweh, and we are called by your name. Do not leave us. Thus says Yahweh to this people, Even so they have loved to wander. They have not kept their feet in check. Therefore Yahweh does not accept them. Now he will remember their iniquity and punish their sins. <clears throat> All right, hang on a second. I need something to drink. <clears throat> Better. All right. 1 Thessalonians 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love, 
and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ before our God and Father, knowing, brothers, beloved by God, your election. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and with full assurance, just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves report about us what kind of an entrance we had with you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 1-8 through For you yourselves know, brothers, that our entrance to you was not in vain. But after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much struggles. For our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. For we never came with a flattering word, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness nor seeking glory from men, either from you or from others, even though, as apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you. But we proved to be gentle among you, as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. In this way, having fond affection for you, we were pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become beloved to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and hardship, how working night and day, so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. Oh, I'm sorry, I went past verse 8. That was verse 9, so we'll read that again tomorrow night. Psalm 79, God willing, of course. Psalm 79, a psalm of Asaph. O God, the nations have come into your inheritance. They have defiled your holy temple. They have laid Jerusalem in ruins. They have given the dead bodies of your slaves for food to the birds of the heavens the flesh of your holy ones, to the beasts of the earth. They have poured out their blood like water round about Jer Jerusalem, and there was no one to bury them. We have become a reproach to our neighbors, a mockery and derision to those around us. How long, O Yahweh, will you be angry forever? Will your jealousy burn like fire? Pour out your wrath upon the nations which do not know you, and upon the kingdoms which do not call upon your name. For they have devoured Jacob and laid waste his abode. Do not remember our former iniquities against us. Let your compassion quickly approach us, for we are brought very low. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name, and deliver us and atone for our sins for your name's sake. Why should the nation say, Where is their God? Let it be known among the nations before our eyes. Vengeance for the blood of your slaves, which has been poured out. Let the groaning of the prisoner come before you, according to the greatness of your power. Preserve those who are doomed to die, and return to our neighbors sevenfold into their bosom, the reproach with which they have reproached you, O Lord. But as for us, as your people and the sheep of your pasture, we will give thanks to you forever. From generation to generation we will recount your praise. All right, finally, Proverbs 24, verses 30-34. I passed by the field of the sluggard, and by the vineyard of the man lacking a heart of wisdom, and behold, it was completely overgrown with thistles. Nettles have covered its surface, and its stone wall has been torn down. And I beheld, I set my heart upon it. I saw, I received discipline, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then your poverty will come as a robber, and your want like an armed man. All right, well, that is our reading for the day. Thank you for spending this time with me. I continue to pray that this time together in the word as we parse through it. One, I would definitely pray that this has not become a substitute for you, um, that you would be doing that, listening to this along with doing your own reading and studying because you really need to be. We all need to be. Um, so I would definitely encourage you to do that. Um, but I hope this this is helping you to stay saturated in the word. We need to stay saturated in the word. Um, and, and I'm not just talking wrote, read, 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 read. I'm talking truly be reading, reading to comprehend and studying um, and, and delving deep and meditating on the word of God. Um, that That is what we are commanded. It's not just a request. It is a command from God himself. 
All right. Well, I hope you have yourself a wonderful day. I continue to implore I will continue to implore you, excuse me, to do all that you do for the, for the glory of God. And I hope to see you for the evening segment. Let's go ahead and close out in prayer. The prayer we're going to close out with is one from Valley of Vision that's called Yet I Sin. Let's pray. Eternal Father, thou art good beyond all thought, but I am vile, wretched, miserable, blind. My lips are ready to confess, but my heart is slow to feel, and my ways reluctant to amend. I bring my soul to thee, break it, wound it, bend it, mold it. Unmask to me sin's deformity, that I may hate it, abhor it, flee from it. My faculties have been a weapon of revolt against thee. As a rebel I have misused my strength and served the foul adversary of thy kingdom. Give me grace to bewail my insensate folly. Grant me to know that the way of transgressors is hard, that evil paths are wretched paths, that to depart from thee is to lose all good. I have seen the purity and beauty of thy perfect law, the happiness of those in whose heart it reigns, the calm dignity of the walk to which it calls. Yet I daily violate and con contempt and contemn its pre precepts. I think it's violate and condemn. I think they mistyped that. Thy loving spirit strives within me. Bring me scripture warnings. I'm sorry, brings me scripture warnings. Speaks in startling provi providences. Allures by secret whispers. Yet I choose devices and desires to my own hurt. Impiously resent, grieve, and provoke him to abandon me. All these sins I mourn, lament, and for them cry pardon. Work in me more profound and abiding repentance. Give me the fullness of a godly grief that trembles and fears, yet, every tr yet ever trusts and loves, which is ever powerful and ever confident. Grant that through the tears of repentance I may see more clearly the brightness and glories of the saving cross. Amen. All right, again, I hope you have yourself a wonderful day, and I hope to see you for the evening segment. Have a good one. God bless. Welcome to the evening segment of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. Good evening and welcome to the evening segment of the Monday, October 9th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I continue to be Wayne Floyd, your host. All right, we're going to be getting on this evening. We're going to be getting back into our study of the Gospel of John, John chapter 13. We're in the last like eight, nine verses. Um, we're working in a section called the Supreme Standard of Sacrificial Love. Again, it shows clearly the sacrificial love of Christ. Um, and we're looking at it in a couple of different ways. But let's go ahead. Let's dive in and open up uh, with a prayer from Valley of Vision. This one is called the Life Look, the Life Look. Let's pray. O oh God, I bless thee for the happy moment when I first saw thy law fulfilled in Christ, wrath appeased, death destroyed, sin forgiven, my soul saved. Ever since thou hast been faithful to me, daily have I proved the power of Jesus' blood. Daily have I known the strength of the Spirit, my teacher, director, sanctifier. I want no other rock to build upon than that I have desire no other hope than that of gospel truth need no other look than that which gazes on the cross. Forgive me if I have tried to add anything to the one foundation. If I have unconsciously relied upon my knowledge, experience, deeds, and not seen them as filthy rags, if I have attempted to compete, complete what is perfect in Christ, may my cry be always, only Jesus, only Jesus. In him is freedom from condemnation, fullness in his righteousness, eternal vitality in his given life, indissoluble union and fellowship with him. In him I have all that I can hold. Enlarge me to take in more. If I backslide, let me like Peter weep bitterly and return to him. If I am tempted and have no wit, give me strength enough to trust in him. If I am weak, may I faint upon his bosom of eternal love. If in extremity, let me feel that he can deliver me. If driven to the verge of hope and to the pit of despair, grant me grace to fall into his arms. O oh God, hear me. Do for me more than I ask, think or dream. Amen. All right. And the evening devotion from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening uh, for October 9th. Uh, the text is from Matthew fifteen twenty three. But he answered her not a word. Genuine seekers who, who as yet have not obtained the blessing may take comfort from the story before us. 
The Savior did not at once bestow the blessing, even though the woman had great faith in him. He intended to give it, but he waited a while. He answered her not a word. Were not her prayers good? Never better in the world. Was not her case needy? Sorrowfully needy. Did she not feel her need sufficiently? She felt it overwhelmingly. Was she not earnest enough? She was intensely so. Had she no faith, she had such a high degree of it that even Jesus wondered and said, O woman, great is thy faith. See then, although it is true that faith brings peace, yet it does not always bring it instantaneously. There may be, a, be certain reasons calling for the trial of faith, rather than the reward of faith. Genuine faith may be in the soul like a hidden seed, but as yet it may not have budded and blossomed into joy and peace. A painful silence from the Savior is the grievous trial of many a seeking soul, but heavier still is the affliction of a harsh cutting reply such as this, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Many in waiting upon the Lord find immediate delight, but this is not the case with all. Some, like the jailer, are in a moment turned from darkness to light, but others are plants of slower growth. A deeper sense of sin may be given to you, instead of a sense of pardon, and in such a case you will have need of patience to bear the heavy blow. Ah, poor heart! Though Christ beat and bruise thee, or even slay thee, trust him. Though he should give thee as an angry word, believe in the love of his heart. Do not, I beseech thee, give up seeking or trusting my master, because thou hast not yet obtained the conscious joy which thou longest for. Cast thyself on him, and perseveringly depend even where thou canst not rejoicingly hope. All right, well, like I said, we're continuing on in uh, the Gospel of John, John chapter 13. Um, and we're in a section, like I said, we're in a section about the supreme standard of sacrificial love. And this is verse 31 to 38, so the end of chapter 13. And we're talking about the, the supreme standard of sacrificial love. And we saw initially verses 31 through 33, um, the, the profound expression of Christ's love. And again, his profound expression there. Um, well, let me go ahead and read. I'm going to read all the verses, verse 31 through 38, and then we'll, then we'll talk about it here. So verse 31, John 13, 31. Therefore, when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him immediately. Little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, Where I go you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. <clears throat> so again, like I said, we, we saw the profound expression of Christ's love. Again, Christ is talking about the fact, now is the Son of Man glorified and God is glorified in him. That's verse 31. Again, when he's talking about glorified, they would understand. They don't like it, but they would understand that when he's talking about being glorified, he's, he's talking about being crucified. And then in, in him being crucified, God would be glorified. But in God being glorified in him, God will also glorify him. God, God will raise Christ up to sit at his right hand and will glorify him immediately. Again, it's going to happen soon. Um, longest count, it's going to be maybe 40 days. And then he'll, he'll, then the ascension, he will rise up. Jesus will rise up and sit at the right hand of God, the father. But what a massive, profound expression of Christ's love. Again, he's going to die. He's going to die. He is being obedient. And that, that's why God is glorified here, that he is being obedient to his father. He, he is being obedient to the commands and statutes of his father. And thus he is going to face this death, this ugly, ugly, horrible death. And on top of that, sorry, need something to drink. And on top of that, not even just the physical, but he's going to face the pain and torment of taking on the sins of the chosen of God, those who would believe, but of facing the wrath against those sins, the wrath that pays for those sins, he has to face. 
And by being that obedient, he glorifies God and he's glorified himself in God. So God will raise him up to sit at his right hand. So again, but then we see him talking to the children, to, to the disciples, little children. It's a, it's a way of affection, a sign of affection, but he's clear. I'm with you a little while longer, but you'll seek me, but where I'm going, you cannot come. Like I told the Jews. Um, but again, he's showing that true love of the father, that true love of the father, that he's willing to sacrifice himself, that supreme standard of sacrificial love. So he expresses it in being obedient. But then he goes on here. And what we're going to see in verse 34 and 35 is the preeminent example of Christ's love. So verse 34 and 35, I'll read them again. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. <clears throat> so again, so he says he's given a new commandment. And so that can be a little confusing. And we're going we're gonna to talk about this here. Matthew 22, verse 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. And one of them, a scholar of the law, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the whole law and the prophets. Again, he's saying the entire scripture hangs on those. Love of God and love of your neighbor. That's it. On that hangs it. So again, you would ask, well, why is this a new, a new commandment that he's saying you love one another even as I have loved you? Well, 1 John 2, 7-11. Beloved, I'm not writing a new commandment to you. And again, this is John writing this. But he's saying, Beloved, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him, meaning in Christ, and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness blinded his eyes. 1 John 3.11 For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. 2 John 1.5 So again, this is second, the second epistle of John. Now I ask you, lady, not as though I were writing to you a new commandment, but the one which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. So what Jesus is saying here is that, and why I quoted all his verses, is that he's giving a new commandment as the kingdom of God. Jesus' kingdom is coming into being as he is within 24 hours of being crucified, which brings it all into being. Yes, this commandment has been handed down all the way through the law and the prophets, but that was under the Mosaic covenant. So it's been there all the time and it doesn't necessarily go away. So not that the commandment has changed, but that it was now being brought in as a new commandment in the new kingdom. And again, he's giving it as a new example. However, we also have to see that what Jesus is also saying is that you need to manifest this love in the way that he has. That's the new commandment is not just kind of a generic love God and love your neighbor. You know, even, even though it says love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, some versions say, and strength. Um, and then your neighbor is yourself. Well, Jesus is, is, has laid this out in detail. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So again, what he's saying, um, that we need to manifest the love the way, the way he has. He's been making clear that he's going to die for his love of them. He's going to die for it. He has shown a clearly sacrificial love in that, in the fact of humbling himself to wash their feet at the beginning of this chapter. And again, that includes Peter, who's going to backslide and run. <clears throat> and and um disown him judas who's betray who, who's gonna who is at this point betraying him thomas who's gonna doubt him uh you know john and james who have tried to lift themselves up by him to go hey can we sit at your right hand 
again, he washed their feet. What love that must be. I mean, again, and we've talked about how the washing of the feet was not something the average person did for people, much less the host. It was the lowest slave in the house, but he humbled himself and showed that love. And on top of the fact, he's been making, like I said, he's been making clear that he is going to sacrifice himself for his love for them and for his love for those who believe in God. He's made that very clear. Those that his father has given to him, he will not, he will not lose, but he will lift them up on the last day. He will lift them up to heaven. He will lift them up to sit beside him while the goats are thrown into the, into the pit of fire. Again, he, he's being very clear here that the new commandment they need to follow is to show their love for God and their love for one another in being true imitators, mimetes, that Greek mimetes, where it's even taking on the characteristics of Jesus Christ. I'm not talking the non-communicable, but I'm talking showing that true love, that, that, that giving of all. Yes, we'll never be perfect imitators of that. Again, we're this side of glory, so we can't be. But with the assistance and indwelling of the triune God that all believers are beneficiaries, we must do our best through Christ who is in us to imitate Christ in his outpouring of love. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love, just as Christ also loved us and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. This is the first time, and, and you may never have known this, but Christ's death and that offering and sacrifice being a fragrant aroma to God, he doesn't mention that about the constant sacrifices under the Mosaic system. The only sacrifice that is fragrant, a fragrant aroma, is the sacrifice of Christ, the Paschal Lamb. That final sacrifice that puts paid to the Mosaic Covenant. So again, that's what Jesus is saying. It's not that he's saying that the commandment hasn't continued, but he's saying... In this new way, I'm the Messiah and you need to manifest this love, this love for one another as I've loved you, as I've modeled for you, as I'm continuing to model, as I go to my murder, that you must love one another that way. But verse 35, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. As one theologian indicated, the church may be orthodox in its doctrine and vigorous in its proclamation of the truth, but that will not persuade unbelievers unless believers love each other. Francis Schaeffer spoke of this in his book, The Mark of the Christian. And what he said was, the church is to be a loving church in a dying culture. How then is the dying culture going to consider us? Jesus says, by this, all men Know that you are my disciples if you have lo love one to another. It's the same verse we're talking about, verse 35, but in, in another translation. If you have love one to another. In the midst of the world, in the midst of our present culture, Jesus is giving a right to the world. Upon his authority, he gives the world the right to judge whether you and I are born-again Christians on the basis of our observable love toward all Christians. That's pretty frightening. This is Schaefer continuing. That's pretty frightening. Jesus turns to the world and says, I'm, I've something to say to you. On the basis of my authority, I give you a right. You may judge whether or not an individual is a Christian on the basis of the love he shows to all Christians. In other words, if people come up to us and cast in our teeth the judgment that we are not Christians because we have not shown love toward other Christians, we must understand that they are only exercising a prerogative which Jesus gave them. And we must not get angry. If people say, you don't love other, this is still Schaefer, if you don't love other Christians, we must go home and get down on our knees and ask God whether or not what they say is true. And if it is, then they have a right to have said what they said. Of course, as Schaefer says, we must evaluate. But at the same time, I would caution against assuming that someone claiming that a supposed brother in Christ is not being loving is accurate. I've seen too many times where that claim was being made and was not valid. 
their real problem was that they did not want to accept what the Bible said and was being and 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 what what it said and was being lovingly proclaimed. So the clarion call goes out of unloving. There goes the new soft church and their desire for winsomeness. Now I don't say this to belittle what Jesus says here. I absolutely agree. The world will know us by our love for one another, and we must manifest it. Must manifest it. This isn't a suggestion or a request, but a commandment. This is also how we know that each other are true sons and daughters of God. I simply say this to ensure that this kind of true doctrine does not go the way of the Me Too movement. But again, he is very clear here that by all this, by this, all will know that you are disciples if you have love for one another. Um, I'm sorry, I want to. Wow, sorry. I'm trying to go somewhere. Sorry, I'm not finding my... Oh, I know why I'm not finding what I'm looking for. <coughs> um, What our pastor preached from today fits this beautifully and talks about this beautifully. Uh, we were doing Colossians 3 verses 12 to 17. And it leads out. So as the elect of God, holy and beloved, those that are set apart, those who were saved, those those who claim to be Christians, and these those that Jesus is talking about here, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another, manifesting that love. So that's who we're talking about here. That we are to put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and graciously forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord graciously forgave you, so also should you. Above all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Again, <clears throat> that is the love Jesus is speaking of. I, I'm, the fact is, we need to remember, and this is where this comes from, we need to remember that we are born in sin. We, we, are, we are sinful by nature, um, outside of the grace of God. We don't have the ability to choose good, to choose right. We don't. We only get that through the work of the Holy Spirit. But what we have to realize is in our sin nature, we commit cosmic treason against a just and holy God. We commit cosmic treason against a just and holy God. And he forgives us and sent his son to pay the ultimate price so that we don't have to pay for our sins. If he can forgive that, then we have to be willing to forgive offenses, slights we may perceive from those we, we, we should be calling brothers and sisters in Christ. And we have got, and that's what Jesus is talking about. Jesus isn't talking about, oh yeah, hey, how you doing? And I, you know, shake the hand and what, and, and maybe give a hug at church or whatever. We're, we're talking, we have to show true love, true agape love one for another, at least as, as well as we can as humans. Again, like Pastor Jay said in his sermon today, we struggle with that and we're going to struggle with that because we're this side of glory. While we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit and we can work towards it, we're never going to do it perfectly, but we must try. How presumptuous of us for us with our brothers and sisters in Christ, for us not to forgive them, but expect forgiveness from God. I mean, he will, but, but who are we that we won't do this? Like Christ says, if you have by this, all will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one for another, or we don't, um, obey his command. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Jesus forgave. He sacrificed himself for us. He gave himself up for us. He, he I mean, and we sit there and go, oh yeah, well, he died on the cross. No, 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 no. He took on every bit of our sin, every bit of that. And, and, and truly from everything I read in the scripture, the taking on, on of the sin was more painful than the physical, the, the, the facing the wrath. For all of that sin was more painful than 
any of the physical going on. The, the, the spiritual anguish he was going through, the being cut off from his father when he didn't do anything to deserve that. But he did it for you and I. He forgave us. Again, verse 13 there, Colossians 3.13. Just as the Lord graciously forgave you, so also should you. That Lord, God, God the Father, God incarnate, forgave us. If he, they forgive us, why can we not forgive each other? Why cannot we, we not truly show that love? And that's what's being commanded here. That is the preeminent example of Christ's love, that we love like him. We, the church, have got to, if we are truly, if we are truly blood-bought, born-again believers, then we must manifest a love like that. We must manifest that love, particularly ab among our brothers and sisters. Now, we should manifest that love to all the world. And that's the thing. People will be out there, well, what about this guy? What about this guy? And they keep wanting to do it. And I... Um, Vody Bauckham's been de <laughs> was dealing with that and something. And he kept trying to get across to the person that you're to love everybody. You don't get a little pocket there. We can go, okay, I can hate them. No, no, no. You are to manifest the love of Christ to all, particularly your brothers and sisters in Christ. We are. Our brothers and sisters in Christ, we are to particularly love them. And we don't do that by going after them. We don't do that by, by being unforgiving of them. We don't do that by putting aside our own junk and just loving them. We don't. And, and, and there's not a one of us out there that doesn't struggle with this. Again, I'm not trying to say this and stand up on a soapbox. This is something I struggle with as much as anybody else. So I, I'm not trying to look down on anybody. Believe me, I turn around and have to look in the mirror. When I read verses 34 and 35 here, I, I've got it, you know, um, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. Again, those, those are one of the things when I, you know, um, when I come to confess, when I come to confess, I do a prayer confession. That's one of the things I have to confess sometimes is, listen, I'm, I'm not doing a good job of mirroring the love of Christ and loving one another, even within a body of believers, even within my brothers and sisters in Christ. I, 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 we, I struggle with it. And I uh, honestly, I believe probably most of the folks listen to me right now, if not all the folks listen to me right now, have that same struggle. That's something Jesus is saying we need to turn from. And like Francis Schaeffer said there, we're supposed to be that example. We're supposed to be a witness for Christ. How are we a witness for Christ if we can't show that love for one another? Um, you know, um, there used to be an old, old song. It used to pop up in an old Methodist hymnal. Um, and they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. And it wasn't necessarily a great theological song, but that's exactly saying what Jesus is there. They will know us by our love, by our love for each other, by our love for God, our love for our savior, Jesus Christ, and honestly, our love for them. And if we can't manifest that, we really have to turn and look in the mirror and go, am I truly saved? If I can't manifest that love, if I can't put down the garbage I want to hang on to and I want to chew over and I want to mull over and I want to get angry about, um, I think that's right out of Ephesians 4, um, talking about the, uh, the, uh, uh, the ungodly walk there the end of Ephesians 4 when it talks about it so, you know don't let the sun go down on your anger and what it's really talking about is not having a not having anything other than a righteous anger if you're sitting there and grinding on something like that and you can't let that go and can't forgive even if maybe originally a certain amount of righteous anger was justified it's no longer justified and you're no longer being loving we're no longer being loving if we're going to grind on that but that's what we've got to understand that Jesus is talking about. We must love like him. I'm sorry. That's the thing. We got to look back at it. Well, we're at the beginning of our chapter, John 13. He washes their feet. And again, I told you the feet of all the guys he washed. How many of us in our, in our ugly human nature would wash the feet of somebody that was going to betray us, would wash the feet of somebody who, who, who was going to deny they knew us, who, who washed the feet of one that was going to doubt us. 
How many of us would do that, particularly in that world context of nasty, dirty, yucky feet and where somebody else is, man, let somebody else do it. That would be our typical response. Yet Jesus washed their feet. And that's why I've told you, those are some of my favorite verses because it shows clearly where the Christian should be between that and the fact that Christ gave himself for us when we never did and never can deserve it. That's the example we have to set. That's the example we have to be. That's the witness we have to give. And so that's what Jesus is talking about here. And that, as verse 35, that is how they will know that we are his disciples. If we have love for one another, if we run around calling ourselves Christians and we can't, at least in some, some extent, manifest that, what dishonor we bring to our Lord and Savior and how reprehensible we are if we bring that dishonor on him who shed his blood to wash us clean. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the day. Thank you for spending this time with you. I know it got a little bit heavy and a little bit dark there at the end, but but it really is something. I, I, I'm sorry, as many as people talk about being Christians and and, and, and being godly and all that stuff and, and, and all their walk, showing true Christian love, showing true love that exemplifies the love that Christ showed, is, is truly something the modern day church lacks in a lot of cases. And it's something we have got to get back to because the fact is we are a, excuse me, a piss poor witness for Christ. If we can't manifest that love that Jesus was talking of here. All right. Well, I hope you have a wonderful evening. I love you so much that that's why I get that heavy. I love you so much. I wish you a wonderful, wonderful evening. I hope to see you in the morning. Let's go ahead and close out with prayer. We're going to close out with the second day evening prayer. It's called Bounty. Let's pray. Thou great and only potentate, thou hast made summer and winter, day and night. Each of these revolutions serves our welfare and is full of thy care and kindness. Thy bounty is seen in the relations that train us, the laws that defend us, the homes that shelter us, the food that builds us, the raiment that comforts us, the continuance of our health, members, senses, understanding, memory, affection, will. But as stars fade before the rising sun, thou hast eclipsed all these benefits in the wisdom and grace that purposed redemption by Jesus thy Son. Blessed be thy mercy that laid help on one that is mighty and willing, one that is able to save to the uttermost. Make us deeply sensible of our need of his saving grace, of the blood that cleanses, of the rest he has promised, and impute to us that righteousness which justifies the guilty, gives them a title to eternal life and possession of the Spirit. May we love the freeness of salvation and joy in its holiness. Give us faith to grasp thy promises that are our hope. Provide for every exigency and prevent every evil. Keep our hearts from straying after forbidden pleasures. May thy will bind all our wishes. Let us live out of the world as to its spirit, maxim, manners, but live in it as the sphere of our action and usefulness. May we be alive to every call of duty, accepting without question thy determination of our circumstances and our service. Amen. All right. Again, I hope you have yourself a great evening. Again, like I said, I love you and I hope to see you tomorrow morning. Have a good night. God bless. Mm -hmm.